Well, I encourage you, uh, if you have a Bible or there's a Bible provided for you, a pew Bible, if you will, grab a Bible and find Revelation chapter 5, page 1030, if you're using one that we are providing for you. We are wrapping up a, uh, a series in Revelation, and uh, appropriately, we end with this section. Our, the focus of our text this morning is going to be Revelation 5, 11 through 14, but I want you to listen to the whole thing, chapter 5. And I want you to, in your mind, maybe some of you are more visual learners and you can, if you close your eyes, don't fall asleep, but conceptualize what is going on in the heavenly realms. Just imagine. I've heard, I've heard one uh, seminary professor say, uh, the people in your church should not be reading along with you. I'm going, oh, that bothers me because I want them to examine, to see it. But at the same time, the first congregations that received these letters heard it, and they received it. And I, I am sure that as the messenger, the, the courier was coming around with th this parchment, as he opened it, they heard it, and they received just these amazing visual pictures of what was going on, especially, and I want you to hear it this morning with this. So if you want to follow along, follow along. If you need to, listen Close your eyes and receive. Both are appropriate. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. And then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voices of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who has slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the performance was over. For several hours, the audience sat in just absolute rapt attention completely focused on an oratorio most of them had heard dozen times before. From the first strains of the overture of the, the orchestra through the solos and choral selections by the mass choir, both musicians and the audience alike were inspired by the stirring message of Handel's Messiah. And now the sea of voices, one more time in a mighty crescendo as the chorus rang out, sang this, Worthy is the Lamb that is slain. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him, unto Him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. Amen. And as those words pulsated into the hearts and minds of all who were present, one man was heard to say, it was like heaven itself were open to him, and that God himself was present. You can't help but on a resurrection morning be caught up into some kind of hallelujah chorus. You can't help on resurrection morning to get caught up. I, I had the privilege this morning to drive alone to church. And this song, Christ is risen from the dead. We are one with him again. Come awake, come awake. Those songs, here I am, trying to keep my composure, singing at the top of my lung, and I'm sure these people in other cars were going, what is up with this crying man in a Jeep? Your heart cannot help on mornings like this to get caught up into something that seems to already be echoing throughout our whole world. One pastor this morning, John Moreland from Grace Fellowship Church, was up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Five. And on his way to church to spend time in prayer before their Easter morning, he still saw the moon. No sun, just the moon. And he said in his Facebook post, that is the exact same moon that saw the surprise coming out of the tomb. All of creation, all of creation is caught up in worship. It's easy for us to get caught up in worship this morning and I love hearing the songs. Being in the front row, you, you hear the voices behind you. Good, bad, indifferent. You hear the voices behind you enjoying God. 
but Monday comes. And we wonder, you know, is it possible to be exposed to the glory of God, the, the wonder of the resurrection, the hope that we have there, and go on throughout the week? Can Sunday morning transform our lives so it bleeds out into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the next year, the next two years, for on into eternity in such a way that we are transformed from meager, lowly worshipers to oh, next year just so enjoying God even more and worshiping Him even greater? The answer is yes. It is possible. But it is only yes if our focus is like the focus of the angels and the elders and the creatures that are surrounding Jesus' throne. If our focus is on the Lamb who was slain but is risen. And if our focus is on praising and serving Him. And the central to all of our focus is that this, that His atoning death and His victorious sacrifice was on our behalf. There's a book written by a guy named Matt Redman. Matt Redman is this guy from the UK who um, is well known in worship circles. Come out with a number of different uh, songs. And one of the things that he wrote, and I'll, I'll read a, a section, but one of the things that he wrote is this. You got it up there for me, Andy? When a soul is so captivated by the Almighty to bend low in true and total surrender, oh, sorry, when a soul is so captivated by the Almighty to bend low in true and total surrender seems the only appropriate response. When our minds are just absolutely captivated by God, by Jesus Christ and the work that He has done for us, it does what? It sends us into worship. And we see this all throughout chapter 5. Absolutely, time and time and time again. And this is what Matt Redman says in his book. When we face up to the glory of God, we soon find ourselves face down in worship. To worship face down is the ultimate outward sign of inner reverence. Every posture in worship says something of both the worshiper and the one being worshipped. The raising of hands tells of a soul stretched out high in praise and the worth of the one that is being exalted. Joyful dancing, yes, joyful dancing interprets a grateful heart and points in adoration to the source of that joy. When it comes to our expressing our worship, what we do on the outside is a key reflection of what's taking place on the inside. <clears throat> Out of the overflow of our heart, we speak and we sing, we dance and we bow. God reveals and we respond. Let me say that again. God reveals and we respond. I want you to allow that to kind of soak in. 
the word of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ and done a work for us in such a way that it transforms our eternity. God reveals his people respond. Apparently, in the heavenly realms, Jesus is a big deal. I know for some of you, you're going, yeah, duh, I know that. But I'm I'm not sure that we get that. In the heavenly realms, where Jesus is, where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, Jesus is a big deal. He is bigger than your job. He's bigger than your marriage. He's bigger than your education. He's bigger than all your financial worth, your emotional worth. He's bigger than this place. He's bigger than this world. Jesus is a big deal. And you can just see what's going on. Every time that something is going on, what happens? There's a response. And there's worship. Up to this point, if you look at verse 11 and 12, up to this point, John's focus had been on a relatively small band of figures in the heavenly throne room. The one on the throne, the lamb, the seven spirits, the four creatures, and the 24 elders. Now the view pans out. I love this. This is kind of like one of those Hollywood move, movie kind of things where they, it just starts off small and then all of a sudden the view pans out. And John sees the throne and the creatures and the elder, what other visionaries had seen before him. And since the huge number, there was a huge number of angelic hosts, John counts it as a multitude. Thousands of thousands, myriads of myriads. One commentator said that in the Greek, this word, myrios, 10,000, can simply mean a large number. Another person said there, there was no, at that time, there was not another word that, or, that could describe numbers any larger. So then John says there was... A gajillion numbers times a gajillion numbers times a gajillion numbers. There are myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands. And John is just, he was focused on the Lamb. Then all of a sudden his eyes sees this all. As far as the eye could see, all the angelic hosts were praising him. And he was just blown away. Worthy are you. Worthy are you. They have seen God. These are the same hosts that broke into our world in Luke chapter 2. Now there were shepherds keeping watch in their fields at night. Simple men. And all of a sudden, one breaks in. 
I've got good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. And then all of a sudden, all of heaven breaks open. This is even bigger. The worshiping of the Lamb who was slain. But not even this, not even this is the end of the story. When one thought that the canvas could not stretch out, become any more larger, a massive panorama even goes out and encompasses yet another circle around the throne beyond the myriads of angels. As as this vision reaches its absolute climax with ear-splitting intensity, the whole of creation is caught up in the praise of God and the Lamb. As the great hymn of praise reaches a crescendo, every, everything, everything that was created, which is on, in heaven or on earth or under the earth or in the sea, and then he says, and everything that's in them, everything breaks out into praise. And it's just like Psalm 60, 69, where it says, let the heavens and earth praise him. The seas and everything that moves in them. The last verse of Psalm 150 says this, let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I love how that ends. If you're breathing today, try it. Yeah, you Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There was just absolute endless blessing and endless honor and endless praise and endless glory and endless worship that belonged to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Creation is un able to contain its joy over its redemption. They're unable to to hold back. They they can no longer hold themselves back. They can no longer be restrained people. They can no longer be the restrained creation. All of the earth, everything that has been created in heaven, on earth, in the sea, everything under the earth, everything is breaking out in worship. The universality of Christ's great redemptive works calls for a universal response. It calls for our response. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore God has exalted him, And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says that every name, his name is above every name. And that every knee shall bow. And Every tongue shall confess. There will be a time, whether it be today or on that great day of judgment, where every person 
everything will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To their joy, or in the other direction. There will be a day that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. We catch a glimpse here of what creation was intended for, what we were intended for, and what can be in God's great plan as it is already in heaven. We see this in the Westminster Catechism. In the Westminster Catechism, question and answer one is this. What is the chief and highest end of man? Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and, to, and fully to enjoy Him forever. You see, you and I have been created to be worshipers. The question is, what is it that we ultimately worship today? Do we worship, do we truly worship Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified and who is the risen one? Or do, do we worship creation, what God has created? Do we worship our spouses, our children, our jobs, our education do we worship our security, our financial security? Do we worship our, our intellectual prowess? What, what, what is it that we worship? Because we are all created to be worshipers. Scripture says, and if we believe it to be true, we are created to worship God and to enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. So why is He worthy? Why is he worthy to be worshipped and to be praised and to say, therefore, here, here's my whole life, God. Take it. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow as ceaseless, endless praise. Why can we say that? Why, why is it that we can say, Lord, here's my whole life and take it as an offering? What is it about Jesus it makes him worthy of our praise, our lives. Jesus, according to John the Baptist, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Your sins. Mine. He takes away our sins. And this Jesus is worthy of our praise in our worship. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. John, the, John Piper, John the Piper, it's close to John the Baptist, they're related. John Piper said this in uh, what was called the gospel in six minutes. This is the good news, the gospel. The gospel is the news that Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again eternally triumphant. I love that word, those words. Eternally triumphant. That's, that, those are like party words. He's eternally triumphant over all his enemies so that there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but only everlasting joy. Heaven is caught up 
in everlasting joy and satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Eternally worshiping Him. For those of us who have been saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, our lives are to be transformed from one degree of glory to another degree, to another degree. Our lives are to be given in greater amounts on a daily basis as we learn to trust Him even more fully with every area of our life. And that is one way that we worship Him. We worship, we had a, we had a meeting on a Wednesday night with the elders and deacons, and we talked about this section. And I said, what is the state of Missio Dei's worship? What is the state of our worship? Both Sunday morning, our singing and our service. What is the state? And I heard from everyone that it is growing. Now, my personality is one of a microwave. I like instant. I would love for this place to be uh, just absolutely, I was talking to Preeby about this, about Sunday nights at Camp Manitoba, about how that whole, that whole chapel was just packed full of hot and sweaty people dark at night, but we were worshiping and singing and crying. And it just was this emotional moment of just being wrapped up with Jesus. And I love that picture. I love those moments when the people of God, us, are just so caught up, just almost in that throne room of God, just loving and enjoying. My prayer for us as believers is that from Sunday to Sunday, we are growing in our musical worship to God because He is worthy, because He was slain, and He is the risen one. We are so caught up that men dare to sing loudly. And the wives go, Amen. Where there is a chorus of men singing loudly at the top of their lungs because they are so in love with Jesus and he is worthy of their praise. Because he saved them from their sins and has brought them to new life like the resurrection. And to add to this chorus of men, there is a group of women that are singing in four-part harmony, because men can barely hold one part, singing at the top of their lungs, sounding like the heavenly host, singing out. Because they recognize that Jesus is worthy because He has saved them from their sins and brought them to new life. Where when we leave this place on a Sunday morning, we leave with the power of Christ to go into a dark and broken world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the hope that we have and the desire to share that with lost people. And we serve this broken world with grace 
and truth, using our hands, our minds, our mouths to serve this world. My prayer is that we grow in our worship and with our hands and our hearts and our love for Jesus and this love for this world. Wanting them to understand the good news of Jesus Christ. That we worship in our relationships. That when missional communities come together, there is such a desire to pray and to worship together, to get into scripture together, to allow it to transform our hearts and our minds in such a way that we go out again. That they become little lighthouses in our communities. I pray that marriages and engagements become places of just absolute glory because they are reflective.